is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, the championship games are set in the NFL, and there isn't anybody I'd rather break down the NFL divisional round games with than Sheldon Alexander, host of the On Blast Podcast Network. Shell makes his triumphant return just in time to go deep with me in discussing the Rams defense just needing one play to cover the spread against the Packers. Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen in a weak duel that crushed teaser dreams. Andy Reid's giant cojones and the end of the Drew Brees era costing betters the over. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and there's no smooth way to introduce my guest today other than to play Can't Nobody Hold Me Down by Puffy and Mace, but that's probably a little too cheesy. <laughs> he's, the host of the, he's the host of the Ball on Blast podcast. You killed it. Wrap it up. My personal favorite, I'll name this football pod later. Remember that bad boy? Oh, yeah. On the On Blast podcast network. He's the P. Diddy to my Mace. I guess it's Sheldon <laughs> Alexander back and better than ever. How are you, my friend? That was a, that was a solid intro, you know, like just <laughs> everything was well worth it just for that intro right there. I'll take it. I'll take it. Awesome, man. It's great to have you back because listen, all of a sudden you wake up and it's the NFL divisional round and things are officially serious this past weekend. So let's dive right into it. Start off chronological order it feels like it was 100 years ago rams and packers and first and foremost sean mcveigh is a dirty liar he's a dirty liar <laughs> the nfl has injury reports for a reason people we're supposed yeah. to know what the situation is with aaron donald because i am not making rams plus seven a bet if i think that we're getting the sort of 60 percent version of Aaron Donald. Now, I was it even 60%? Well, well, that's 60%. Yeah, I mean, from a a snap count standpoint, right? I think they (laughs) did end up sort of calling it 60%. But even when he's out there, right, he was not even that great. And really, one of the key plays early on was that 15 yard penalty, right? You're going from third and seven. And he gets sort of all up in, you know, in the face of the offensive lineman for the Packers, grabs the guy's face mask and like, what are you expecting in that situation? And I, at that point, I knew that he was compromised because that's just the classic, you know, thing that you would do when you when you're frustrated because you can't do what you are usually capable of doing. Yeah. You're quicker to lash out. And that's what happened for him. And so from a betting standpoint, I actually still think Rams plus seven was pretty good. Uh, Green Bay teaser was pretty good. And I think you can be on Green Bay minus six and a half and actually have the same rights to victory, if you will, or at least agree on the conversation as those of us who are on Rams plus seven. Because listen, it's a seven point game, right? With all of that stuff going on, right? Like Goff's hand and all of that kind of stuff. It's a seven point game. And we're on that. And you've got that one last drive right? It's one last drive for the Packers to score because, you know, the next time they get the ball, it's just going to be a run the clock out situation. And the Lazard catch touchdown, obviously a dagger. But for me, it was the play before that. Marquez Valdez Scantling catches a short pass, you know, short of the sticks. And I said out loud, got to tackle him. 
right? Got to tackle yeah. him. He sort of spins out, does the reach across for the first down. They don't tackle. Yeah. And at that point, I would have loved to seen what a fourth and one would have looked like for the Packers on their side of the field, right? And we'll get to a very similar situation later on in the weekend. <laughs> but wouldn't that have been interesting to see what the Packers' decision would have been there? So I think Green Bay minus six and a half people out there are sort of full value, you know, right side, that kind of thing. But, you know, at plus seven for the Rams, feels like a push was probably the more appropriate result. So what were your takeaways from the game? So- uh, you know, open the floor to you, my friend. So I was on the side of the Rams, and for me, obviously the Aaron Donald thing was devastated, devastating, but I will say mm-hmm. I did hesitate after seeing that Cooper Cup was not in the game, right? Because yeah, when that news came out, I kind of I hesitated because obviously he is that dude for Jared Goff and this offense. So without him, you know, Goff is already not – when you look at the list of quarterbacks that are still in this, that were still playing right. this weekend, Jared Goff yeah. isn't the one that exudes the most confidence, right? If you're right. betting on him. So losing Cooper Cup was massive. And mm-hmm. even with that said, I still thought, you know what? No, I, I, I really like the Rams defense. I really like the Rams defense to slow the Packers down. And they mm-hmm. did. I know that's yeah, weird right? to say. Yeah. Right? yeah, they literally slowed them down. Yeah, up until the Lazard touchdown. Right, And I had yeah. a prop of under 40 and a half long touchdowns. So that was a double dagger for yeah. me, right? I was, I was slumped at that point yeah. because, yeah, like, you know, the Packers weren't explosive. Not that they really are that explosive. Obviously, there's the occasional deep pass. But, yeah, yeah I mean, they did enough that would make you indicate if they had a player of Aaron Donald's caliber out on the field, then yeah, plus seven would have been really good. And that's just the way the Packers play all season. Like we've talked about this at length about the Chiefs and the Packers, where it's like, yes, it always feels like they're in control for 60 full minutes. It always feels like a blowout or at least a score that's bigger than it actually is. And then when you look up, it's like a seven point game or an eight point game or whatever. It's a one score game and the Packers have to just sort of run the clock out, whether that's against the lions, whether that's against Carolina, Philadelphia, obviously of the Aaron Jones debacle. Um, You know, so it's like, it was that, it was that game. It was that same game. One thing that was really apparent. And I know obviously like this goes towards the rest of the weekend as well. Mm-hmm. But you really, really notice quarterbacking and coaching. And I know that sounds like super obvious, like I'm not splitting atoms here. But what I mean is, right. how many times did Aaron Rodgers come up to the line and you see him either change the play, make a little audible, make a little just something right at the line, and then gets the Packers in a, in a more winnable situation? Jared Goff's not doing yep. that. And, and that no. stuff matters so much more. And then... Between that and the fact that the Packers were able to get a pass rush, it seemed, when needed, and get home, and without Aaron Donald, the Rams weren't really able to do the same. It just was devastating because, on the flip side, how great was Cam Akers? Yeah. And that was it, right? That was that. That's the defense and the running back, right? Like that's what we were looking for to keep this game close. And again, I wasn't expecting the Rams to win the game by any stretch of the imagination, right? I had the Packers in that tease piece that everybody else had on Saturday with the Ravens. And yeah, like 
I wasn't expecting much, but Akers is running right through them. And that guy's awesome. And I talked about that on Friday. Like, I don't know if underrated is the right word, but it's sort of like he hasn't had his, you know, show out. Everybody realizes that Cam Akers is really, really good type performance, in part maybe because the Rams weren't on primetime uh, a ton this year necessarily. And one of their primetime games is the first game of the year. But like that dude's awesome, right? And if his name was Dalvin Cook, We'd be like, oh, beware of Dalvin Cook. We'd be, you know, beware of, of Cam Akers. And, you know, his props cash, right? We get a touchdown out of him. That was awesome on yep. the direct snap. And we get his, you know, over uh, yards, like I believe in the second quarter, if not early on uh, in the third quarter. So, like, he did what he needed to do. And even Jared Goff, I mean, he was 15 of 17 at one yeah. point, right? So he's completing mm-hmm. passes, moving it down the field as necessary. Just... But I think you're right about the, the pressure thing here in that, like, I mean, I had, again, from a betting standpoint, I had over four and a half sacks, right? Mm-hmm. And Goff gets sacked three or four times. And so if you had told me, like, actually, they're never going to touch Rodgers in this yeah. game, I'd be like, oh, what like what could have possibly gone wrong in that instance because it isn't just donald right it's a bunch of other guys brockers and floyd and you know a handful of other guys on that defense where you go like they didn't get one sack they didn't get one like i mean i suppose there was some hurries in there but i don't think they hit him at all no and And, yeah i'd be you know what you mentioned that and and one of the biggest plays of the entire game was just before the half right like there's a massive play where Aaron Rodgers is he's he's forced out of the pocket and Aaron Donald is close and Rodgers is able Mm -hmm. to step back up in the pocket find uh, who was I think was a tight end find the tight end for a first down and then but then after that so that gets him the first down right before the half but then after that you have back-to-back plays where the Rams defenders could make interceptions Mm-hmm. And that would change the entire game if you're able <laughs> yeah. to get into the half down six as opposed to being down nine because, of course, right. the Packers get the ball at the other – and it's just – it comes down to one or two plays like that, right, that could go yeah. either way and to have three straight plays go the Packers' way instead of going the Rams' way, right? Like, think, if Rodgers gets yeah. sacked, they don't get the field goal. If – either one of those Rams defenders are able to make an interception on two not so good plays by Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like not good passes yeah. at all. Back no. to back in a row. Like how yeah. different is that game? And you know, that's just what playoff football comes down to. And then instead of being, you know, 16, 10, you're looking at 25, 10 and absolutely <laughs> right yeah. so, well and that's and not even because they still could have covered sure. but you know what i mean like right but like if the basis weird, weird, weird yeah if the basis for having the rams to cover is that we're relying on the number one defense in the league and again yeah. like all we're relying on is like you said like catch a pass that's thrown directly into your hand actually <laughs> twice in a row okay like that would take you know i think those were on field goal drives right at the end of the half and so like that takes a yeah, field, those, goal. field goal drive. yeah so it's instead you know you, it, you know it's always going to kind of play out a little bit differently but maybe not that much differently in that like instead of a seven point game it'd be a four point game right and like mm-hmm. now things are maybe a little bit different and maybe Lazard gets that touchdown and turns it into an 11 point game instead of a 14 point game and maybe that ends up moot but again like whether it's the DBs not being able to catch the pass 
being able to tackle Marcus Velda Scanling, not exactly known for toughness, elusiveness, and whatever, right? Like he's not known right. for breaking for being a really no. big, fast target down the field. And so like I'm sure yeah. Rogers was even surprised that he got out of that tackle. And so it's like we really just needed one play. Like there was even the one from his own end zone where Rogers, like any other quarterback, it felt like we were oh. headed for safety he sort of just yeah. shifts to the side, like just kind of dances to the right and then fires a, you know, a strike. And you're just like, wow, like what a play. And it's like, all they needed was yeah. one play to cover that game. Now they were going to need a ton more to win the game outright. But then, you know, that again is not really what we're talking about here. So, um, you know, roughed up a little bit on props, but I did have the down. Uh, at you know plus 500 so that's going to cure a lot of ales but um, you know again not unlike last week where my sort of best biggest bet from a side standpoint was Tennessee plus three and a half where you go yeah kind of felt like I deserved a little bit better right like whether it was Tennessee last week or the Rams at, at plus seven right and again it's a different conversation between six and a half and seven because the people who had six and a half were fine with that game ending on seven as was I it's like we should have all gotten together put some paperwork in and submitted to the commissioner to have that game end the way that it did uh let's move on to the saturday night game because i mean let's be honest that first game as much as we just sort of talked about it for 10 minutes was the kind of lamest game from a conversational standpoint baltimore and buffalo on saturday night and from a line perspective really interesting opens three early on in the week and that lasts almost no time at all before you know baltimore mm-hmm. money comes in grabbing that plus three people couldn't get enough of that early on and it goes down yeah. to maybe as low as baltimore uh, excuse me buffalo minus one and then kicks back up to two and a half and just sort of stays there right and like the world yeah. the universe myself everyone on the raven side of the teaser right two and a half kick it up to eight and a half this has to be a close game you know yada 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 uh, from a prop standpoint, low-scoring game. And this is sort of worth mentioning because when you're talking about touchdown markets, right, betting on guys to score touchdowns, a lot of the games the books are just going to kind of break even, right? Because a lot of people can bet the favorite to score, you know, running back to score a touchdown, the Devontae Adamses to score a touchdown. And, like, the prices are never great, but, you know, like, some of this stuff is relatively predictable. And then there's going to be one game each week, in this case, you know, we're talking playoffs, obviously, because I don't know how popular the touchdown markets necessarily are in the regular season. But there's one game a week where, like, not nearly enough people score, and it just kind of wipes everybody out, right? It's like, you know, a craps table when a seven is rolled. It's like a roulette table when a green, you know, double zero is rolled. It's like, oh, nobody wins. Yeah. And, like, yeah, you might win on the other three games, but, like, everybody gets wiped out because Stefan Diggs is the guy who scores a touchdown, and he was, like, even money, so it's not like they're getting killed there. And then the other touchdown is a defensive touchdown, which, of course, nobody's really betting on from that standpoint. So they make a killing from, you know, that market. But, of course, you know, obviously the first notable thing, and it takes a while other than obviously missing field goals and the Justin Tucker thing, which was completely bizarre. He's hitting the, you know, the post or whatever. And while, you know, in that first game, the, from a spread standpoint, of course, the game changing play is the Lazard touchdown. 
in and but I think it yeah. was the play before where you know it's you know it could have been fourth and one in this case right obviously the Lamar pick six is the game changing play but it's the play before that that the Ravens are going to see in yeah. their nightmares where Lamar's unable and it's not really his fault just a really good play defensively from the Bills you could tell that they were making a point to not let Lamar roll out to his right side and of course he's running into trouble and then doesn't see uh, Hollywood Brown wide open. And that's the thing that the Ravens are going to kick themselves for, because if he does, we're looking at a tie game and the teasers are in play. And those who got plus three early on in the week are in play. And then just like that, right? The biggest swing, literally the biggest swing you could ever possibly have with the 102 yard or whatever it was touchdown return. So, um, you know, in that moment, are you just sitting there going like, well, that's that's it? Or do you think like Lamar has a chance again before he gets hurt, you know, to come back and make this a game? Or was it just sort of that's a wrap for you at that point? I thought it was a wrap yeah. at that point because the Ravens had so much trouble driving down the field against Buffalo's mm-hmm. defense. And I don't know. I guess tip of the cap to the game plan from the Bills defense here because I felt like they just said, you know what, we're going to be prepared to try to stop the run. And if Lamar is going to figure out a way to pass the ball to Hollywood Brown and Andrews and and just like beat us marching down the field that Mm -hmm. way, cool. Right. But we need to see it. And he wasn't, he just wasn't able to do it. Right. And, it just didn't look good offensively. So once you do finally get into that zone, you're missing field goals, which all gamblers <laughs> know that's a terrible <laughs> sign when yeah. right? When you're trying to cover a spread and a kicker that's normally you're normally used to seeing just it's buckets mm-hmm. for him normally. And he's missing two field goals when then you finally do again get into the scoring zone and now you throw a pick six, it's like, that's deflating. Oh, God, yeah. Right? Like, the, one of the best kickers in the league misses two misses two field goals, and then you're in the red zone, as you mentioned. The play before the play, yeah. they mess that up. Then you throw the 100-yard pick six. That's deflating. That's a lot to come back from. At that point, you're going to need a massive, massive play defensively. Like, you need something else big to happen momentum wise and I know a lot of people there's a lot of arguing about whether momentum is a thing and all that but I'm talking about from a straight football standpoint and I didn't I just didn't see it happening like there's no reason to believe that they're going to be able to drive the ball back down the field and consistently multiple times to win this game I do have a question for you though I don't know fair is not the right word Mm -hmm. right but how do you feel about the fans being in the building after like a season? Like I know there were fans throughout the season in certain places, but now that you get to the playoffs and then all of a sudden the fans now become a factor (laughs) after not really being a factor for the whole season. And the reason I bring this up more is because of a gambling standpoint, right? right? There are a lot of times this season and it's not even just football because I'll say basketball, I've been doing the same thing too where I look at a spread and I'm taking a team and I'm almost, and I'm taking a team on the road mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, Oh, there's not even fans to deal with. Like, this is like free points. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, no, no you're right. Like, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then, Cause we've been talking about like the value then, of home field advantage. Right. And it's like, right. Sure. Like this is okay. Do we have to build in a point because they have 
you know, a certain amount of, of fans and like what our expectation level is of those fans. And it's funny because I said it to my partner, Emily, I was like, we're sitting there watching the game and I was like, you know, cause the Ravens were having trouble uh, offensively kind of right. Like hearing and like, yeah, obviously yeah. the snap, you know, we'll get to the whole snapping fiasco, but like I, I said to her, I was like, you know, these teams have been used to, and it's going to be more interesting for next year, right? The team, these teams have been used to being able to do whatever they want at the line of scrimmage. And so when you talked about Aaron Rodgers, you know, and him just being like in full Aaron Rodgers, like smirk mode where he's able to kind of do whatever he wants because he knows like there's no audio issues whatsoever. And it's like, imagine giving him just free reign to kind of be able to do whatever he wants there. And on the flip side, if you're dealing with any amount of crowd noise and kudos to the Bills Mafia, if you know, if you will, for being sort of louder yeah. than that many people are supposed to be. Yeah, like I think that is is necessarily a factor. But I, I mean, I think more and you're on to something there with regards to Lamar and like the run game and them forcing him to sort of throw the ball. Or whatever. That's the difference between second and third down. Right. That people don't really yeah. realize that like Hollywood Brown can be wide open on second down because they, you know, they have to fear the run in that situation. And so just, Oh, well, they just, they'll go yeah. get him on the next, on the next down. It's no, it's now it's third and seven. And so Lamar has to pass. And that goes obviously to the big picture mm -hmm. of like Lamar as a quarterback and like, can he, you know, will he be able to win the big game? And listen, I was, I wasn't railing on it necessarily last week, but you know, he goes and they beat Tennessee and like, it wasn't that impressive. He obviously yeah. had a Lamar type run that was of course, you know, everybody was loving, yeah. but it was like, Oh, like he disproved the narrative or whatever. And it was like, he lost two games at home in the playoffs as a favorite. It's not a narrative. It's a stat. It's 0-2, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, okay, he, exactly. right? He no, beats Tennessee sure. and, like, you know, whatever. History will eventually figure out what that Tennessee team is. We're still only about a year into, again, whatever they are in the, you know, AFC championship game last year. So it's not like they're terrible by any stretch, but they were pretty bad in that game. And so you go, okay, well, now what? Right. Like he throws that interception and again, not known for red zone interceptions either. But again, he doesn't often have third and seven because most of the time the throw to, to Brown happens and he's able to complete that. And we never yeah. get to that point. Right. And so, yeah, like the bills have to force him into getting to that point. And yeah, when you say like it looked like it was a wrap once that that play actually happened, I think you're right. And of course, he ends up getting hurt. Because, you know, and, and it's just so funny, right? Like the playoffs will expose anything that you're doing poorly, whether it's over the course of the season or in that individual game. So when you see like the snaps going by the wayside and Lamar's having to make him, you know, crazy catches just on the snap. And then you see this guy fire it back there. And it was like, he almost shot it out of the stadium. And, yeah. and of course, like, of course that ends up being an injury for Lamar and he's out of the game. And at that point, it was really just like, can you cover the tease for us out here? Like we just need one touchdown. <laughs> We're not even looking for two. And Huntley, you know, kid out of Utah that I really liked in college, but like not remotely ready to play in the NFL actually looked pretty decent in just the absolute worst spot that you could possibly put yourself in. And he, he yeah. kind of spicy, right? Like, kind of spicy. <laughs> 
right? Let's yeah, and I get why he's on the practice squad because he needs to move. You know, they need to move on from RG three. And tr- I don't know that Trace McSorley is necessarily an answer as a backup quarterback. But like, if you could get a clone of Lamar Jackson, that's what you want out of that offense, right? Like, in a neutral game state, like a, like yeah. Chad Henney was able to come in, for example, like he might have been pretty good, right? Just handing the ball off, running some on his own, like, you know, having to manage it from that standpoint. But when he comes in and it's shotgun city, we got to get the ball down the field, like everything's a rush type of thing. He was never going to have great success, but he was actually way better than than I thought he was going to be. And so kind of a bummer that, right? Yeah, but just kind of a bummer, obviously, that Lamar wasn't able to sort of, you know, try to, I don't want to say prove us wrong, because, Again, I'm not sitting here going, like, he can or he can't do that. Like, I hate when people say, like, he can't win a playoff game. It's like, he could. I mean, there's obviously tons of small sample size. Talked about it last week, how, like, Tom Brady, who's been in the playoffs deeper and longer than anybody ever, has, like, only played, like, 40 playoff games. You know, like, that feels like a really, really low number for a guy who for 20 years is, like, basically in the the NFC or, or, you know, obviously in the past AFC championship game, like, every single year. But, like, cumulatively, it just ends up being, like, yeah, he's actually only played in 40 playoff games. And that's, like, the most ever. And so, you know, even a Drew Brees, right? It's like he's played, like, what, 20? I think he's 9 and 10 or something like that in the playoffs. And you're like man, like you don't get a ton of opportunities here. So unfortunately for these guys, you have to be judged on three games through three, you know, or four games now through three years of your career. And yeah, he just turned 24 and all of that sort of thing. And like, there's development that can totally happen there. Um, So I don't think any of it's necessarily fair, but like, it's also not made up. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of things about Lamar and the way that people see Lamar because there's a couple of questions people sure. need to ask themselves, right? Like, Hollywood Brown is what? Really? Like a number two he's, receiver? Honestly, number he's three receiver? Yeah, he's Henry do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, it's the same deal as like him over on. Yeah. And when it's like when Henry Ruggs isn't in the lineup, like, it's a bummer for the Raiders, right? Because he, they don't have that like deep mm. threat. But like, it's also not a disaster, right? Like it shouldn't be the end of anything. Yeah. And with the Ravens, it does sort of sure. feel like if he was out, it would be like, well, now who are they going to throw to? Right. Cause I mean, Mark Andrews had a big season two yeah. years ago, but like, I mean, you got to make a few catches here, Mark, at some point, right? Like he's, it's one thing when you're getting open yeah. because of the scheme and the linebackers are pressed up and all of that kind of thing. But when we're talking like jump ball situations, and again, this is somewhat bitterness because of the tease beast, but like at the end of the game, like let's make a play if you're a great Well, tight between end. that and the, and the Hollywood Brown, between that, between that play in the end zone and the Hollywood Brown play a little earlier than that where Huntley has him wide open yeah. and just overthrows him. I could see why people that had the teaser who might be a little salty after that. Like, yeah, it's right there for you. Right. And that's what makes it interesting when you're looking at the game and thinking it from thinking about it from the Buffalo standpoint, or even just from, you know, people that bet on the Ravens, whether it was a tease or whether it was to cover two and a half mm-hmm. or three points, that game was right there for the Ravens with Lamar Jackson being out yeah. for the fourth quarter. So it's, it's much it's kind of like the Packers game where it's like as you mentioned there's what seven minutes left before that Lazard touchdown and 
it's it's just such a frustrating thing to be on the wrong side <laughs> as I was on both of these games on Saturday because there's so many places where you look so easily and you're just like, all right, I see where yeah. things went wrong here. Yeah, like really? did they? Or is it again, like as we talked all season long, right? Or did like the music just stop? And, you know, instead of not only did we not grab a chair, we tripped and fell and sprained our ankle or we tripped and fell and got a concussion because, you know, we not only did Lamar Jackson not grab a chair when the when the musical chairs song stopped, like that's just sort of how it all ended up. And so and and that's the NFL playoffs. That's why it's intoxicating. That's why it's awesome to bet on because every team feels like they got out of you know, got out of there with something, right? Like they stole something. And I think that's, I think the Bills could feel that way, right? But again, I think a lot of teams in the NFL playoffs tend to do that. Um, Speaking of which, Sunday afternoon, you know, go ahead. Can I I ask you, can I just ask you one thing? Josh Allen, would you say that he played well in that game? Do you think Um, Josh Allen had a good game? Yeah, no. Do you know what I mean? And that's where I'm looking at things and I'm like, ah. Ah, which we'll get to, we'll get to, and I guess we talk about what we early yeah. think about next week. But just wanted to no, throw that out. There. No, let's, no, let's it's fair on. because I do have. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? I wanted to, and that's, that and day. but that's what I mean, right? Like whether we talk about it later or, or 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 now, like it does feel like the Bills got away with it because, you know, the slow starts that I'm, you know, trying to take advantage of because like, again, like what are we doing this for? And it's to try to make good quality bets and you know maybe it's not full game bets but mm-hmm. first half whether it's Colts first half that was an atrocity of a of a bad beat uh in that game during wildcard weekend or whether it's you know betting the under in the first half that was a complete cruise job it's like okay you know I don't know if the Bills are going to win the game when all is said and done because I don't know whether this game is going to be 31-30 or 13 to 10, and that yeah. is, quote-unquote, on Josh Allen, right? Like, it's not his responsibility to, to us, let us know whether, <laughs> you know, whether the I game's going to go that. over or under, but, like, the total in that game was 50, and there was a combined total of 20 points <laughs> in that game. So, like, there's not a ton of things yeah. that you're going to be impressed by with either offense in those situations. So, always kind of an escape job. Like, I, I guess... Yeah, super escape job because everyone, you know, we're going to crush Lamar and say Lamar didn't play that well. And how much better did, no, did not, Josh Allen not play than Lamar? Better. Right. And that's the thing that we, right. And then that's the thing where we come out in narratives. And it's like if you switch their yeah. numbers and, you know, you, you sure. just switch the jerseys, right. And then Lamar wins his game. All of a sudden, are we like, Lamar well, is awesome in the playoffs? Do you know what I mean? Lamar won the big game. Like, that's the thing that's so weird about how we play these things out, especially with quarterbacks, when really, like, the Bills' defense just showed up. They had a way better game plan. And I think the the limitations of the Ravens' offense... You know what, and I'm, and I'm glad you sort of you wanted to stay on this a little bit because there is one element that I meant to talk about that, that we haven't. And the more I sort of think about it, the more it sort of wraps up into this whole, like, could-go-either-way mentality in that... So... You know, what happens in that game, right? Like, Lamar throws a pick six. Okay, fine. But he gets hurt where it's not his fault that the snap, you know, that the center can't snap the ball correctly and had been doing so all night long. But I went into that game, you know, talked about it on Friday, right? Looking for some prop bets and that kind of thing. And one thing that I mentioned was it might be worth a shot at over one and a half 
fumbles lost, right? You see it on the, you know, pro line here in Ontario. You see that on the mm-hmm. props tickets yeah. all the time. So kind of worth mentioning. But, like, oftentimes you can see that in different, uh, you know, sports books. And, you know, the handicap was, like, listen, these two guys are relatively loose with the ball. Maybe there's weather. But even if there isn't weather, like, it's where... You know, the game might be high scoring because one of these fumbles or interceptions might get taken back for a touchdown, which it was. But, like, they're going to be relatively loose with the football. There was, I think, five fumbles in this game. And not one of them was recovered by the defense. And so, you know, if you go, well, ball's on the ground, 50-50 shot, right? Like, you you know, by just math, like two and a half fumbles should have been, you know, uh, recovered by the defense. And obviously that's not a round number. So even if you went with the lower number, two fumbles would have been a very reasonable expectation. And the reason I bring that up beyond the fact that it was something we talked about on Friday and it's a from a betting standpoint, but Josh Allen fumbled on a play where he got absolutely smoked. And you'll remember it from, because he was on his knees, like smashing the turf, because I don't know if he sort of felt it in that moment or that he thought the Ravens recovered in that moment, but the Ravens didn't recover it in that moment. And Mm -hmm. Josh Allen didn't get hurt in that moment. But what if he was hurt and or what if the Ravens have it, right? Like, it's not that far-fetched. Like, we're talking about 50-50 situations here. And to be honest with you, that hit looked a lot harder than the one that Lamar took. Now, Lamar, like, hit the back of his head, hit the turf. And once you sort of see the replay, you go, okay, I get why that's happening. But, like, in the moment, you see Josh Allen get absolutely trucked like that. You're like, well, if he wasn't an absolute monster, like, the guy's huge. A lot of other quarterbacks probably don't get up from that hit. <laughs> And again, what if, right, the Ravens recover that fumble? And that's how close this stuff is, right? Like, maybe they recover that fumble, and this is obviously before yeah. the uh, pick six. And, you know, again, maybe they get a field goal, maybe they get a touchdown, who knows sort of what stems from that. But, like, that's how tight this stuff is. Where, you know, you can predict five fumbles, yeah. or right? Like, I mean, a lot of fumbles. It can happen, and you can still not win that bet. You can predict that Josh Allen is going to get hit and be loose with the football because he basically is every game for all his like spectacular offensive plays. Like he is destined for a fumble, whether it gets recovered or not, completely different situation, but he's destined for a fumble in each game. And that's sort of the high wire act that we're playing with a lot of this stuff. So um, yeah, again, it's total, total escape job. So Sunday afternoon. Let's get into this one, because this one, it's like they got progressively crazier throughout the week, and I guess maybe this one was the craziest one uh, before the game, right? We see this big line move. So opened early in the week, 10, there was some 10 and a halfs out there, and then all of a sudden game day, you know, and you'd think it would be the opposite, but we start seeing it creep down, nine and a half really on Saturday, and then shoots down to eight, even some seven and a half somewhere. I was able to grab Kansas City. I shouldn't say able to because it ended up losing, but I was able to grab a little Kansas City minus seven at literally about my, a minus 120. I think it was minus yeah. 128, and I was like, I'm fine with that. Like, There's a bunch of different ways that this pushes, um, but I think it's kind of yeah. gone too far. And so it now leaps into, and again, from a betting standpoint that's what we're you know what we're doing here it leaps into the teaser zone once it hits eight eight and a half really right because now you can tease it down under three and then you look at the later game and you go okay this number is two and a half right comes off of three which is almost i would make the case a bigger move 
than even going from 10 down to seven and a half because of, you know, the key number of three. And you go, oh, I can just tease that up to eight and a half for Tampa Bay. And so this whole week, everybody's looking at Saturday as a teaser, right? Oh, got to tease Green Bay down to a half, Baltimore to plus eight and a half. <laughs> Who's not going to do that? How is that not going to cash? Yada, yada, yada. Well, of course, because it's the NFL, it doesn't. But the Sunday one becomes the gold, right? But because it wasn't available, it wasn't available for like six days where we didn't all just look at the two and a half and the eight and a half and go, wow, why wouldn't we just tease that one down and that one up? And da, 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 da. Like, it's so funny that if, if we just known these lines were going to exist all like, week, we would have been able to all take advantage of the Kansas City Tampa Bay teaser as being the obvious one, but because it was sort of this sneaky thing that showed up on Sunday, that's not what happened at all. So you're going to laugh at me here because this has to be like a better, um, like a very rookie, like inexperienced mistake here, right? So for whatever reason, Sunday morning, I woke up thinking, you know what? I'm actually, like my initial thought all week, Got to take the points. It's 10 points. Chiefs sure. haven't covered in a month. All those narratives you've heard for however long that we're everywhere, right? And then for some reason, I woke up on Sunday and I was like, I'm taking the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs roll. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why. There's no reason for it. Like, it's not like I saw some new bit of information. It just woke up with a different feeling. So then when I see the line is moved down, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay, let me see where this where this goes. And there was already like a few bets in on the Cleveland side. So now I'm just like looking at this Chiefs number. Mm-hmm. So the game starts and the number now for the Chiefs is going down. Like yeah. it goes back up, then it comes back down, right? So in game now, I'm trying to bet it. And it's down to seven mm-hmm. and a half. And this is early on in the game, right? For whatever reason, the setting is on accept okay. and bet. As I'm hitting it, as I'm hitting it, on what I think right. is me betting it at seven and a half, accept and bet <laughs> changes <laughs> to nine and a half. <laughs> I think I'm clicking on seven and a half, and it ends up being nine and a half, and I'm just staring like. I've never wanted to like power bomb my MacBook <laughs> because you know, the moment uh-huh. you're, you're sitting there waiting for the number to go down yeah. and then like you're, you're playing the in game. So it's literally changing by the second and you're just sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And you're like, yeah. no, I just missed it. No, I just missed it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Finally goes through. And then it's like nine and a half. I'm like, and so is this, happened? this is in game. So like, I is this an, like during the first drive? Now. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, this Kansas City gets the ball first, right? And they're driving, and they're just going to, like, so bump it up and up and up. Yeah. So is that – and let's just start calling calling out names here for a second because exactly. I think, so. you know, it's going to get to this, but I might as well talk about it now. But, like, is this sports interaction? <laughs> oh, okay. Because no, I've got a beef with the sports interaction. So, again, I was going to mention this in yeah. a second here. But, like, so I went in – you know, obviously, I talk about props on the on the Friday show, talking about touchdowns, talking about you know, obviously you know, yardage props or whatever. And I go, you know, Edwards Alaire is questionable, even when he's in there at the best of times. You know, maybe not a, quite at the best of times, but in, in in sort of an average game, it's not like he gets all the carries, right? They use him in a variety of ways, but like they also use Williams, even sometimes Thompson. 
and I look at the I look at the touchdown numbers, and they're yeah. like ten to one, nine to one on various books for Thompson and for Williams. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't really believe in the Le'Veon Bell thing. Like he hasn't really shown up at any point this season. So if Edwards Alaire is out, we're getting some really good value on some guys who I think are going, one of these two guys is going to get some run. Yeah. Again, it's the Chiefs and going back to the days of the Eagles, right? You never know with Andy Reid who's going to actually sort of get that main main role. And so he gave that out mm-hmm. on Friday. So it existed, is, which is the point, uh, on Friday. And then I made the bet itself sure. on Sunday yep. after, I don't know, like, who's to say, like, when it gets announced, right? Because it's, like, Schefter's announcing it or whomever is announcing that, you know, it's not like somebody goes to the podium and goes, like, here's the, you know, here's who's in or who's out or whatever. But the point is, is that it was still available. It was something that was available all week long. And so I bet Williams at, I think the number was eight to one at that point. In fact, I'm sure of it. And then I'm like, why is this eight to one? I look at some other books and it's, they've dropped okay. it down to a more reasonable, like two to one. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to bet it again. Like, and I'm going to keep betting this. And because it's been there all week, like you can't tell me that you just accidentally put that lineup and like make that case, which I don't buy even best of times for a sports book. Like it's not an accident. Like you have people whose job it is to put the correct lineup. If you don't put the correct lineup and I bet it, that's on you. Right? Like, that's not a me problem. That's a you problem. Exactly. That's a you problem. And so I go, okay, like, that's cool. And then the game starts, you know, a few hours later, obviously later start for the first game. And I go back and I look and I was like, something's not right about that. And I look into the account and it says, and I tweeted this out, like, for technical issues, that bet has been voided and refunded. And I'm like how is that technical issues, right? Like, there's nothing technical about this. Like, and you there for too long. Well, I mean, technically. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the technical issue. Like, you not being competent. <laughs> and, like, and we know sports interaction is, well, I should say, you and I know that sports oh. interaction is an embarrassment of, of, uh, a, a website that's or a sports book that's been around for 20 years, but like they still take bets and they still a lot of times have bad numbers that we bet into and all of that kind of thing. And the problem though yep. is, is that when they can just cancel a bet because they feel like it or because you got the best of the number, that's a massive problem. And so, you know, I've talked a, a little bit more recently about Canadian legalization Huge had the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association on the show in December talking about the pending legalization and all of that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, like that's the issue here. It isn't like tax money or, you know, whatever, like keeping all this money in Canada, if you will. It's like protecting people from scumbag operations that have been operating for 20 years in the country. Right. And like if they're willing to turn things around and do things correctly, I'd be all about them at this point. But like that's a really scummy move. Right. And it like it's already hard enough to take money out of there. But anyway, I don't even know how. I don't even know how that happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, so the person realizes they make a mistake. They bring it up the ladder or do they just say like oh we'll just say it's a glitch like i don't even know how that's possible 
Like, are they just hoping that not enough people know that they do shady things like that? Right. So then, right. you know, people can because I feel like if the masses knew, the masses exactly well that and that's what I mean, right? Like that, that and maybe side. this is what that maybe this is the podcast and like this is what we do on the podcast. And I, you know, I don't want to do this every day because I want to have more fun and we want to make bets and we want to hopefully win a few bets and all of that kind of stuff. But like, I think there is an element as we go into this legalization where it's like, somebody has got to police this. And I don't mean like, and I guess part of me means literally, but part of me means like some sort of consumer advocate for this type of garbage because then like I'll shift gears here. And I know maybe you don't even want to comment on this, but like, Sports Interaction is now a pretty prominent sponsor of the National Hockey League broadcasts here in Canada. And I sort of go, okay, well, if the people in charge of taking their money knew what the, what the reputation was of this company, like, would that matter to them? Like, obviously, I think it should matter. And there's going to be plenty of sports betting and sports book money to go around. But it's like, are we just taking money, putting up the the banner? And because nobody knows what we're doing with regards to betting. And it's like, okay, like, that's fine. They're a sports betting company. They've been around for 20 years. Like, why wouldn't I take that? And it's like, well, they don't let people cash out. And they're super scummy with their betting practices, right? And... (laughs) And by the way, like the joke's on them because yeah. Darums didn't score a touchdown. And so, you know, I would have lost the bet, right? Like that's not the point. Like thank <laughs> you for avoiding a bet that would have lost. That He came incredibly yeah. close on the first drive, right? He got stopped at like the half yard line. Yeah. And then Mahomes decided not to pitch it on the option where Mahomes took it in for a mm-hmm. touchdown. And so, of course, I'm sitting there going like, of course Williams is going to score a touchdown on the very first drive after this happens. So anyway, n- nothing to do with the game and probably yeah, too yeah, much yeah. for people um, who just want to hear us talk about the game. So let's get into the football element. But I did need to mention that because I did tweet it out. Um, so first half, obviously a lot going on. Uh, from a betting standpoint, it was kind of interesting. I, my pitch was and it kind of worked out that way in a, in a weird way that we didn't sort of see coming but i was like cleveland first quarter cleveland fourth quarter because you know cleveland's at their best in the first quarter when they're scripting their 15 plays offensively right and so i go okay i want cleveland plus three in the first quarter it takes yeah. a, a butker extra point miss for that to push because it's 6-3. Six, six, so we go, okay, that's pretty good. Oh, so the Butker thing, and I'll yeah. talk a little bit more in a second. And then, of course, in the fourth quarter, we always go, okay, Kansas City's going to dick around. We'll have had And, you know, Cleveland's probably going to score the last touchdown in a game that's probably going to be somewhere between 10 in the fourth quarter. And obviously, in the middle of the game, that's where Kansas City, like, puts their foot on your throat. And so we push on the Cleveland plus three, uh, and then Butker. So he misses the extra point, which, I, you know, now that I think about it, it's obviously good for that push on the plus three. But I have Chiefs team total 16 and a half in the first half. And so he misses this extra point, And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to score exactly 16 <laughs> instead of 17. And I'm going to lose this under one and a half field goals in the first half. Yeah. So now 
glass case of emotion because Butker's now lining for a 50-yard field goal. And I don't want him to hit this 50-yard field goal because Cleveland had already kicked a field goal. And, of course, I wanted him at the time to kick the – it's a 33-yard kick. So he misses the 33-yard kick that I want him to make. He makes the 50-yard kick that I don't want him to make, right? And it's like, how did he screw me out of these two bets at the same time? Now, of course, of course. he ends up getting another kick yeah, he ends up getting another kick, and they score 19 Incredible, points in right? the first half. Watching that bet. But just worth mentioning sort of how funny it is that, like, the kickers who have, you know, obviously an issue on the Saturday night with um, Tucker and Bass missing kicks. Total mess. So from a game standpoint, all right, like, sometimes it's the fourth quarter. Sometimes it's the third quarter. And in this case, the pivotal play for all of everything that happened the rest of the way, the pivotal play is, of course, Higgins into the end zone for the touchback. This is the same thing as the 100-yard pick six where you go, well, from a win-loss standpoint, yeah. that's, that's a wrap for this game. Like, you know, obviously, like, were you thinking that same way? And like, oh, well, there, there goes the competitiveness here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I basically thought, okay, the Browns are done. And I know that, we're mm-hmm. here to focus on the, the gambling standpoint of it all, right? And not, like, the fact that everyone was going crazy about this stupid rule, which I don't get, like, of all the things well, to be mad about, you're mad about the touchback rule? Like, found that very weird. Like, how many people were angry about they need to change okay. this rule? When I go the other way, the thing that I was mad about on that play is it's still tackle football. I know that people are mad about, oh, it should have been targeting and it should have been whatever. It's like, why don't you just say the defender should just let him score? Because right. what else is a defender supposed to do yeah. in that point when it's literally a race to the end zone and both <laughs> dudes are diving? I don't know if you've ever tried to run and, like, dive, but your head is going to yeah. be in front of the rest of your body. Like, that's just the way that people dive. So unless, right. again, you're going to tell the defender – you know what? Just let them score. Right. I, I'm that frustrates me, and I know that I'm in the minority in sure. that. As we try to like make football safer, and I get that, and I I understand concussions. I get concussions. I've been concussed before. I get it. I totally understand it. Yeah. I just think that a lot of people that are doing the yelling, and this is going to sound very bad, but I I feel like a lot of people that are doing the yelling about oh that's targeting and you can't leave with your head have never yeah. actually tried okay. to tackle someone at full speed. Of, of course, because that matters. That like it's not like what are you supposed to do at certain levels? So I think the answer is, to that what is, is and I and I've been there with you too, right? Because I mean, as a big college football guy, right? Like targeting is a massive thing right to the point where again emily turns to me and she's like wasn't that targeting like she was on it before the announcers were and i'm like well there's not it's not really targeting in the nfl right it's like you know don't use the crown of your helmet and like there isn't an elaborate review process the way there is in college football and so the point is is that like listen every single game in college football like I don't I want to say comes yeah. down to it, but there's always one targeting call that we have to review and like gets down to the nitty gritty. And like, and the guy gets thrown out of the game, for if sure. he's, you know, if he's called for targeting, like it's a way bigger deal. And so obviously for years, as long yeah. as that's been a rule, like that's been a really frustrating point mm-hmm. for me to wrap my head around because yes, the first thing you think of is what is the defender supposed to do? The problem is we have to change our, 
framework of what is he supposed to do to it's I don't know really how to say it but like what has he already done or it's too late by that point right so the point is is like yes he is supposed to not allow him to score necessarily but like at that point it's too late right like you shouldn't be spearing him head first you should be in you know in in a perfect world or whatever like in theory you should have been in better position in the first place to tackle him legally you know what i mean like yes he's he has to do that because he's desperate but like it's his fault Um, quote unquote that he's desperate in the first place and so the and so the rule is to save in a lot of ways the defender from himself where like okay like it sucks because it's getting closer to two-hand touch or to flag football but like the idea is you're supposed to square up like drawing a charge for example right like you're supposed to square up the guy wrap him up and tackle him like that is you know a hundred years ago when nf and when football was invented the idea was okay you're supposed to have better position you're supposed to tackle him and he's supposed to go down and then over the course of evolution we decided that it was okay to absolutely destroy a guy in the name of tackling and save every possible inch that we possibly could on a football field you know and sort of allow for that thing to be a game-saving play and so the idea is sorry it's too late. Like you should have been in better position in the first place. And if you want to make a diving attempt to knock the, you know, use your hand to knock the ball out of his hands or something along those lines, we're not going to legislate that out, but we have to legislate out the whole like head first move. And like, I I agree with you. Like, what is he supposed to do in that instinct, in that, in, in that situation? But the point is, is like, he should have been two steps closer beforehand and while Higgins wasn't in the end zone he had done enough at that point to score legally do you know what I mean like yes he still had to execute the dive for the end zone but like he had already gone to the point where uh, that should be a touchdown unless something illegal happens in the same way that like guy goes for a dunk guy goes for a breakaway he's already done what he needs to do to deserve that dunk right like the work was done beforehand And in that case with Higgins, like, the work was done beforehand. Hey guys, quick interjection here, uh, just to let you know. If you haven't sort of figured it out, the audio got a little bit tweaked here. Oh gosh, roughly halfway through the podcast. So I had two options. One, do my best to kind of edit with it and include a lot of really good stuff that Sheldon and I talk about the rest of the way in the podcast or just gas it all together. Now, I think there's enough there that it's salvageable, uh, even if it is a little bit annoying to listen to. Trust me, it's way more annoying to have to deal with on my end. Um, So apologies for that, but the rest of the way, um, just a little um, patience and uh, and a little grain of salt here. We went so long, frankly, the app just couldn't handle um, the audio uh, the way that we would like it to. That being said, you know, there's nothing that we can do on our end while we're recording. We don't know that this is happening. It's the type of thing that you find out after the fact. Really annoying. So apologies to that. So I would totally understand if you wanted to bail out right now. That being said, um, I do think we do have some pretty fun stuff that we have to talk about uh, the rest of the way here. And I did the best I could to make it as as not annoying as I possibly could. So uh, we'll get right back to it right this second. So here's the thing. I know that I'm in the minority in this, and I know that, yeah. you know, 
football-wise, I'm going to be wrong on this. But I will forever think that – so the, the targeting thing, there's two sides to it, right? I get that we've already yeah. allowed the play over the middle where, you know, you yes. throw it over the middle and a guy goes up and catches it, the defenseless receiver. I get that play where they're like, okay, we're eliminating that. Basically, you have to let that guy catch it. There's no more yeah. safety coming across the middle and just blowing a dude up over the middle. I get yeah. that. And there's elements of that that have been yeah. put into every single sport to make the game safer. Totally get that. This play to me is a little different than most of the other targeting plays that we see because the offensive player is also diving. So to expect to, so to yeah. be able to allow the offensive player to dive ahead, but to tell the defensive player, you're not allowed to do that when really in theory, right? What you're really asking the defensive player to do is be able to be a mathematician in time, the, the distance, and when the yeah. point of contact is going to be right. between your shoulder pad or helmet with your dive and the it other is. Play, and and you're the not wrong. player's dive, which is like nearly impossible. So it's just one of those things that's like – it's one of those things that's like become right. way too increasingly like, you know, the teeter-totter it's too far to the side of the offense. Like every single rule is to the yeah. benefit of the offense. And, you know, obviously it wasn't called, but I'm just saying in, in the, in the kickback, I bet you that play is going to get yeah. changed or it's going to be one of those rule changes heading into next year or whatever. Right. And I'm just like, no, two dudes are diving for the end zone. Like, that happens, and I don't even think he. I, I don't know how you both right. dive. But that, as you again, know, you're not wrong. And you're not like, leading. Of course, with he's your going head. to lead with his head. <laughs> right? like, instinctually, I don't you... really blame him, and like the timing and all of that kind of stuff is. It's it, you know, it is what it is. Like it was going to happen. Like he was going to make head contact with him. But the problem is, from a mindset standpoint, like you just have to realize, like it's too late. Yeah. Right. Like it's, you know, it's being in the restricted area in, in, in NBA parlance. Yeah. Right. No, it's, I got you. you know, I don't, I don't know. If, we, yeah. And like, yeah. And, but yeah, and exactly. Which I right? also like, hate. You know, but like, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Like you can't, I hear you. I hear you're going you. to get called for a foul. If you jump up to block someone, if you're in the restricted area, like it's almost like you don't need to touch the guy. It's it's the same thing as like pass interference. When, if you're not looking at the ball, you almost don't need to touch the guy. You're going to get called for pass interference. Like you barely touch a guy and it's still pass interference. It's the same yeah. kind of thing where it's like, it's like you should yeah. have been in better position in the first place. He's allowed to make that dive because he's not diving at anybody. Right. Like, and it sucks for the defender and it's why, a lot of these rules suck for the defenders and it's why scoring's up by like 10 points over where it was like 20 years ago, anywhere else on the field. If you fumble yeah. the ball out of bounds, you just keep the ball in this case. Whoa. Like not only do you, they, you know, not only does uh, in this case, uh, Kansas city get the yeah. ball. They also get it 20 yards away from where the fumble was like logistically, logically, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And so I think that rule gets changed because of this. And I think, as you say, call it targeting. I think, you know, I think it becomes reviewable and I don't like that either because listen, it sucks in college football to have to go through the targeting process because most of the time, even with review, they get it wrong anyway, like most other calls. And so like, why do I want to review this anymore? And like, yeah, it's a bang, bang play. <laughs> but the idea is, and again, yeah, not really that fun for those of us of a certain age who are used to, you know, even just back in the 90s, or early 2000s, these sort of hard hitting, jacked up era 
uh, or at least the tail end of that era, right? Like we are built in a different way from a mindset standpoint. Oh yeah, <laughs> I get. Well, oh, I totally understand why it doesn't exist. And it wasn't that long. But jacked ago. up was a great segment. <laughs> well, and really I mean, is. and that's the point. You got Moss. Yeah, they try. but that's the point. Like they go, okay, we're you, gonna go from they everybody try what you got Moss to like you got Moss. <laughs> it's not the and like that's you know it went from a defensive segment to an offensive segment. Like that's the that's what we're dealing with here. But the point is like the rule does exist. And so while it sucks for the touchback thing that right. that rule does you're exist right. and nobody's right. saying like they made a bad call, they just, it's a stupid rule. Same kind of deal with the targeting thing. In this case, like it is a rule and it was kind of a big play and you kind of need to call that. And it was funny that they called it at least yeah. once in the next game because it was, lit, you know, it was one of those deals we talk about like all the that. time. Like if something happens early on on a Sunday, like you can bet a call is going to get made later on in the week. So uh, that was the first half, obviously just (laughs) incredibly brutal change of events there. Thought it was going to be what, 16 to 10. And then all of a sudden it's 19 to three and we get into the second half and then the Mahomes injury happens. And I, you know, I don't know that there's anything necessarily talk about with the play where he gets injured. Um, But you know, that's, What's that? No, what's that music? That's Chad Henney's music, and it's all of a sudden he's in the mix, and who knows what's going to happen he's, at that point. At that point, I thought the Browns were going to win, and I was in a group text with a bunch of friends, you know, one of the gambling group texts I got, and one of the dudes was like, "I yeah. immediately hammered the Browns money line as soon as Mahomes went down," and the funny thing was, not right at that moment did I think the Browns were going to sure. win. But if you yeah. fast-forwarded real-time, maybe, like, 20 minutes, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was just like, oh, okay, yes, I, I see this now. Yeah, the Browns, like, I was convinced the Browns were coming back and winning the game. Like, it just seemed that's the way that this was going to play out because the offense, like, there's no way that you're going to replicate yeah. the things that Mahomes does to just buy mm-hmm. extra time and – I know the plays that the Chiefs have are great by play design, but there's also so many times where Mahomes is able to extend plays to like give Kelsey an extra second to get open or to give Tyreek Hill an extra second to get open. And I didn't see Henny being able to to do right. the same or even to have the same relationship or you know what I mean, or the same timing with those guys. And it just looked like the Browns had everything cooking in, in their direction. And this is where I really believe, again, I know I said it earlier, and I'm not splitting atoms here, breaking <laughs> news, course. but coaching matters so much. It's like Stefanski. Yeah. It's like Stefanski didn't know what to do in the moment. Like he was shook. Like, oh my God, are yeah. we going to win this? I don't know what to do. Let me waste timeouts. Let me waste challenges. Let me, right? And he's just like fumbling the bag. Like it was right there mm-hmm. for them. And it's like he didn't, the play calling was terrible, right? Like again, wasting timeouts, wasting challenges. Meanwhile, Andy Reid's out here with his backup QB. Even after the terrible and, pick, he's, Andy yeah. Reid's still like, eh, not worried. We got this. And I think that matters so much. Yeah. And after how many years of Andy Reid, we've seen Andy Reid fumble the bag in his career early on to where he is now. It was just such a reminder of system and you know coaching and how important that mm-hmm. is. And sometimes we overthink these things. 
in terms of which side we want to be on. Well, but it feels and, so yeah. much more and so yeah, I want to sort of go back the to coach. the the when did you think that the Browns were going to win this game? Because you know, Henny comes in and they're able to run the ball a little bit and they're able to gain some first downs. And you go, okay, like they're not immediately hunting so, this back to the Browns. But you mentioned the interception, and that's on. And so I want to talk about this sort of in the framework of our conversations, mm-hmm. literally for Ooh. the latter half of the year about the Chiefs not covering, right? And so, hold on, hold on. But before, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before that, though, before that, because the Chiefs not covering, right? After Mahomes goes down and I'm on the side of the Chiefs, I'm like at that moment, I'm like, they're not covering. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not expecting to cover with Chad Henney. With that said, though, with that said, though, that first drive, Henney drives it down Mm -hmm. and it's about like what, a third and six, something like that. And he hits Mm -hmm. Kelsey who just is shy of the first down. I wonder if they have Patrick Mahomes, if they don't go for it as it's right. fourth and one, maybe. So you're, you're in, you're at like the 15 and it's fourth and one. If Mahomes is there, you probably yeah. go for that. And if you put up a touchdown there, that's the cover, right? But go right. for the field goal. And I mean, <laughs> Hey, you're sweating out every field right. goal from here on out. Cause your man's butker is, seems to be a little nervous here but at that point i'm still kind of like okay they get a field goal but the cheat or the browns part of me just seemed to be in a groove at that sure. point offensively baker seemed to have life and confidence and i was thinking the browns are just driving down the field and scoring touchdowns right so it's almost like the roles flipped right because right. at the start of the game it's like the browns can't settle for field goals because the chiefs are getting touchdowns Okay, well, then Mahomes gets hurt, and it's like, okay, well, the Chiefs can't settle for field goals because the Browns are just going to go down the field and score. Like, it was weird, but it also fit into what you're saying about the Browns closing, like what you said to begin this whole Yeah, and I'm doing the the mental gymnastics, right, about trying to figure out, like, uh, like the different ways that the Chiefs are going to win this game without covering the T's at minus two, minus two and a half, right? So I'm doing all that. And so, uh, but while that's happening... (laughs) <laughs> so they drive down, they're up five, right? And they drive yeah. inside, I'd say off the top of my head, I think it's around the 30-yard line, give or take a couple of yards, right? And we, you and I talked every Monday, it felt like, in the last half of the season, where it was like, yeah. okay, well, Kansas City was up six, and their drive stalled, and they kicked a field goal, and then the other team went down and, like, backdoor covered. Or, you know, whether it was 10 points, 6 points, whatever. Like, it was, there was always something that happened, right? That Tampa Bay game, right? Like, how many times did the Chiefs have it in yeah. field goal range to make it a 13-point game instead of a 10-point game? And they just didn't. And what happened in every one of those drives, whether it was Dolphins, whether it was Tampa Bay, whether it was New Orleans, there was always an offensive line penalty. Every single time there was an offensive line penalty that pushed them back out of field goal range where it became better for them to punt or, you know, they were no longer going to get a touchdown and now they had to settle for a field goal. Basically, that penalty was the thing that took points off, right? It wasn't their talent level. It wasn't their ability on offense. There was always a penalty. And so they get that big play. I believe it was Kelsey, but I might be wrong. And they get it to into field goal range. And so I go, okay quote-unquote worst-case scenario is they get it to eight. And, of course, my mental gymnastics are going, oh, but Cleveland's going to score a touchdown, go for two, not get it, and it's going to land exactly on two, so the two-and-a-halves aren't going to get there, right? Like, so I'm already in that mental state. 
And then, of course, there's not just a holding penalty, but like a 15-yard penalty for some blocking buffoonery or whatever. And it goes to first and 25, but at least you're like, well, they still have three downs here to get that yardage back, get back into field goal range. Not ideal, but like I'm sitting there with minus seven. So like an eight point game is a really big deal to me, right? Same thing if you have minus seven and a half and yeah, and we'll take our chances here defensively. And, and then Henny throws just the ungodly interception, right? Like just atrocious. Now, listen, we've seen enough from Patrick Mahomes to know that like, he's capable of throwing that interception. (laughs) Like he did it against the Falcons. And again, obviously not as a, a big of a game necessarily, but like, not impossible to think that he would throw an interception. So I don't want to be like, oh, he never would have done that. That'd be disingenuous. But like a pretty atrocious play on first and 25 where we've got two or three plays here to work with. And then so the Browns get the ball back. And it's funny because last week we had, it was punt weekend, right? Where like, how could you punt that was the sort of theme of the entire weekend. And then the Browns, punt it back to Kansas City. What did you think of that punt? Like, by, you know, relatively speaking, because we've seen the worst punts in the history of the sport just last weekend with Tomlin and Rabel, it's all kind of relative now where it's like, not as bad as those guys, but like, still pretty bad, I think. What do you think? Okay. There, I think that you go for it. And I get why they don't. They don't go for it, but this this goes back to what I was saying before, right? Stefanski and the difference between, you know, being confident in what you're doing and what your offense and defense are capable of doing instead of being thrown off by what's going on with the other team. I think with if right. Mahomes is still there, there's no chance they punt, right? Like yep. you can't punt the ball back to Mahomes. But because it's Henny, I think they outthink themselves and they're like, you know what? Henny can't make these plays. He just threw a horrible pick. Chances of him running down, bringing it back down the field. But now you're trying to get into the mind of Andy Reid. Right. And this, is, this leads to the end of the game because I think Andy Reid mind-fucked him in the sense that if I'm Stefanski, I'm probably thinking, they just threw a pick. We're going to punt the ball. And because he just threw a pick, yeah. they're not going to let him throw the ball again. So chances are he's just going to hand the ball yep. off, right? And then we're gonna we just gotta stop the run and well, we're gonna get the ball back. But again, yeah. Andy Reid being the gangster that he is, like so I understand the world to answer your question, yeah. I understand the world the world in which yeah. why Stefanski would punt. And I'm trying not to play the result. I just think you gotta be confident in your offense that on th- third or fourth and short, you gotta be confident enough in your offense and your running backs and Baker, who played really well to that point. That you're going to be able to convert on yeah. short yardage. And, yeah, and, I, and honestly, and he instead said, you give the ball. And, back he said, to and he the said that, I think, perfectly, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, I didn't hate it at the yeah. time it made sense. Because, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Henny wasn't exactly lighting it up. And the thing is, and again, this is the irony, and this is why, like, the NFL is just the best, as much as I complain about it as a product, but, like, it's almost sort of too perfect in a lot of ways. They did get it to third and, what, 15? Right. Defensively, like third and 15 with Chad Henney. Like if you're sitting there, if we're all paused our lives, if we pause yeah. the earth yeah. for that moment and we took, you know, a, 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 a poll, we're all yeah. going, 
this is trouble for Kansas City, right? Like, this is problematic. And mm-hmm. I'm already, like, mentally prepared for, like, Kansas City on defense here. And, like, 1, Baker 000%. just slinging it around and, like, doing Baker stuff. And then Mahomes, who's the, you know, is the guy who you have to worry about his legs, right? Like, you never yeah. think of it until it's too late and he's scrambling. And even on a bum foot there, he had one, you know, really good scramble for a third down conversion. Like, he's the guy who's going to go for that elusive run for the first down, not Chad freaking Henny. And listen, I have more respect for Chad Henny than I think most people do. Chad Henny came on the field and people a- acted like it was like Ben DiNucci or something at this point. It's like Chad Henny's a professional quarterback. Well, and, and that's the other thing. But also, like... Yes, and that's where I was going. Also, he team. just played like two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it's like, right? and, and I think that's the part that people where people go like, well. "Oh, you're going to rest these right? guys or do that sort of thing in week 17." It's like, no, like getting the backups, and maybe it's just the backup quarterback, obviously, but like getting that guy a full game right before the playoffs on the off chance something happens. Like, who knows if Tyler Huntley? And again, I, I use him as an example. Like, I still have no complaints about how Tyler Huntley played, but like, if he had gotten a full mm-hmm. game. Who knows, right? Or like even just a full season as the backup. Who knows like what he might have been capable of. But, you yeah. know, Chad Henney played at Michigan. Yeah. You know what I mean? This isn't a guy who like went to James Madison here. I know I keep sort of alluding to Ben DiNucci. Yeah. And, and he's a veteran yeah. of like whatever, 13 years in the league. And he's thrown he's for like sure. over 10,000 yards for various teams. And I know they weren't particularly successful teams, but they also didn't have the weaponry and the coaching that the Kansas City Chiefs had. Right. Like when he was the quarterback of the Dolphins, he would have been a lot better off with Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill exactly. and like, you know, T- Travis Kelsey and all of that kind of thing. So it's kind of ridiculous that we just assume that Chad Henney stinks. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's not really any fa- you know, fair to him. No, I was going to say, but also it's the system, right? Like, that's the, that's the thing. Andy yeah. Reid was so much more focused on, no, 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 this is what I know we do, whereas I feel like Cleveland's play or Cleveland's mindset was more so focused on what they do as opposed to what your own team can do. Because even before that third and 14 scramble that yeah. nobody saw coming, their first down that they got before that, right, if you remember – it was just one of those yeah. classic chief plays where it's right. play design, you win, right? Like just off play design, they win. Where they had Tyreek Hill and uh, Kelsey on one side. And so all the defenders are focused in on that side, obviously. And they just run, they just have the running back run out to the other side, wide open, converts on, converts the first yeah. down. And that really was the play before the play again, right? Where it's like, this is where the system comes in, where you lose Mahomes, Mahomes isn't there, but the system is right. intact. Yeah. The play calling is intact. Yeah, absolutely. Which you and can't so, say the same about no. the Browns. <laughs> and that's why they took the out. Well, part of it is like, I wonder now if these guys just go, whether it's the play-by-play guy or the analyst, whether they just go crazy for the soundbite and, and it, you know, because it's not as good of a soundbite. It's like, did he get it? I'm not really sure. And, like, and then they find out that he got it. And it's like, oh. well, we don't really have a good soundbite. But if you just go nuts, right, and just say that the guy got in, it's like, okay, like, we can backtrack off of that. But at least the soundbite is there on the chance that he actually got it. So he doesn't get it. And I think that was a fair measurement. Mm-hmm. He actually probably got closer down. Uh, they probably gave him a bit better of a spot than he actually got. But so we get to that fourth down play. And I saw some people afterwards being like, that was dumb, blah, blah, blah. I said it at the time. 
to again i've referenced her a couple of times because she was sitting right next to me but like i said to emily i'm like it would be genius if they faked the offside draw off and ran a play because we have seen over the course of i mean our entire lives but especially in the last couple of weeks the offside draw off play work right saw it against the you know yeah. the colts and the, and the bills a couple of other instances where it worked and you just go like how dumb are these people that this is working yeah. on them right like the bears got suckered into it against the, the saints last week as well and i go like how great would it be? Because now, you know, you watch a couple of guys get suckered on that and you're going to relax, right? Like you're just assuming. And I think you could hear him say, everybody relax. We're just running the clock down. Like, and again, because like Henny. And so you go like, I would go, Oh, I wonder if he's saying that as part of like, like Henny on, yeah, on the field. Like he's like, Oh, you know, he's like, everybody relax. Okay. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go back and look, but like, and I don't know how he worded it exactly, and maybe he oh, worded it in okay. a way I didn't, that like, I didn't catch that because like there's guys motioning with ten seconds to go, and I think he said like, don't you know, everybody relax, like we're just running the clock down, and whether that meant to one second or or it was like a part of this elaborate ruse to like trick the defense. I literally said I was like, it'd be great if they ran a play here. I think they convert it like a hundred percent of the time and then they run the play and i'm screaming like they did it like they're running the play and it works and then i'm just like you know what andy reed is the only guy out here who gets it and i can't believe i'm saying that in 2021 given where we were with him in the early 2000s and you referenced it right it's like how did andy reed become the guy making the decisions <laughs> and preparing his team at this type of level yeah. and is it because they had a bye week it, you know, and like Chad Hemi, Henny's a veteran, and so he's paying attention because they're probably running this play with Mahomes, right? Because every week they're in a situation where they're one score ahead, yeah, and it's fourth and whatever, and they have yeah. to punt it to the other team. Like if any this team is their play. should be preparing for this exact situation, it's the Chiefs, and so they run it and win or win, lose or draw. I think that was a good play. I was there for it. I was calling for it in advance. So let the record show. And so anybody who's saying like, no, like I don't like that. Or I don't like that. They did that. It's like, you wanted them to punt. Like, aren't we just back to where we were last week where like punting is acceptable because like you can't punt there. I don't care who the quarterback is. You cannot punt there. It's no different than Vrabel or Tomlin. Totally agree uh-huh. with you. There's no way you can punt. But the, the, to me, the thing that makes this play even more yeah. genius is because of the fact that it's not what you're expecting to happen, right? If they go for it, you're not expecting them to line up for that. And that's what makes it that much more perfect. Like, it's one thing to say, okay, well, you know, to agree or disagree with the decision to punt or not. And if you yeah. disagree with that, cool, whatever. But if you don't understand the level of gangster that it takes to say, to, to know whether it's on purpose or not, or to plot it out, whether it's on yeah. purpose or not, to know that on fourth and inches, okay? And that's you it. You come out in a shotgun. Yes, it's the elaborate. Nobody's expecting you to <laughs> yes, run a play it's the elaborate rooms, right? It's everything about it. Whether, like, and that's the genius it's, it's, of the it. The whole plan is we're going to send right? somebody like in that- motion with 10 yes. seconds left just to allow yes. our quarterback to say to that player, relax we're letting the clock run down right like all of like he like he didn't just take off and go in motion for no reason 
right? Like there was some <laughs> inclination to have, it wasn't an accident that he went in motion and to have that all run down yeah. and happen and so be good. prepared to do that is next level stuff. Now, when you go 15 and one, 14 and two or whatever, and get by weeks into the playoffs and get by weeks in the regular season, and you have continuity with your team where these guys are running it back for three straight years now, you have a lot of time to practice this kind of stuff. It's why we see them do the like spin um, before the snap, like dance moves, right? Like they're the like they're the, the temptations yeah. out there. It's because the the fundamental stuff has already <laughs> yeah. been done yeah, yeah, yeah. three years ago, right? Like they know all the plays, <laughs> right? And so, like, what happens when you're three years into it or four years into it? Because Mahomes has obviously been on the team for four years, yeah. even though he started for three. When you're on this team, it's like, what do we what do we work on during the week? Like, we're all really good players. We already know we've playbook for years, so yeah, we have to come up with new plays. That's going to give us an yeah. inch. And now we have to work on situational stuff so that when this type of thing happens, we can be next level stuff. And so while Stefanski might with Baker three four years from now. Yeah. The problem is, is that no one else is. And like, you know what I mean? Nobody else is there, right? Brady and, and, and Belichick were there. And that was part of their thing too, where they would win a lot of games on trick plays well, because all the other stuff was figured out, right? Like they didn't have to worry about guys getting penalized, you know, 10 penalties or eight penalties in a game because it was like, no, like we already have all of that stuff ironed out. And if you don't fit into that, we don't have time for you on this team. And I think the Chiefs right now are at that level. And like maybe the Packers get to that level because like you could certainly make the case that they're on their way to do that. And Lafleur has only been there, what, two or three years now. But like that's the difference. That's why, you know, the Andy Reid is the Andy Reid now, right? Like it's that yeah. level. It's wild. Do you know, I think I referenced this on your pod before, right? But the Brady and Belichick and the gangster yeah. of Belichick, to me, is always going to be defined in that Malcolm Butler interception, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. just preparation, preparation, preparation. We're more prepared for a situation than you are. And we're calm and cool in our decision-making yeah. in terms of what we're going to do in certain situations. Because we're more confident in our work than you are in what you're going to do. I don't know... If Mahomes that's is it. in the game, but if I yeah. even expect them to throw the ball on fourth and inches from the shotgun. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what makes this so crazy. They had their backup in, right. and my guy's still like, no, nah, we're going to throw it with my backup yeah. QB on fourth and inches. And to have, again, focused in on our system, our preparation, and this is yeah. what we do, even if yeah. it is my backup QB. Chad Henney's he more just than has capable to throw of that. It's just, do you have the time but, to do a lot of this stuff, right? And the Chiefs have the time to work on this because they don't need to work on the playbook. Well, you knew that they were going to, like, how great would it be for them to actually run the play? Like, you, that was in your mind. I was, I was kind of like, wait, I was like, what is happening right. here? And then Romo obviously is losing his mind because he's like, oh, no, they're not going to run a play. They're not going to run a play. And then when I saw yeah. the O-lineman did a little, like, motion as if to say – like, you know that he's signaling something, right? Which is probably like a blocking thing yeah. for the running back. But when he did that, I was kind of like, oh my God, are they going to snap the ball here? Right. Holy shit, they're running a play. Like, not only could I not believe that they're running a play, <laughs> but they're running a passing yeah. play. I was like, this 
He, Andy right. Reid's a gangster. That's a game. I'm not even mad that I – I think I sent you a text. I'm like, I'm not even mad that I lost and the Chiefs didn't cover because that was just incredible to watch. And that's why I don't mind betting on the Chiefs because they're right. back – they just won a game that, what, almost yeah. every other yeah. team in the league probably would have lost in that situation, right? They would have blown that game. Would have been too nervous – wouldn't have known what to do, would have changed too much of their game plan in terms of yeah. what they do as a team because the backup QB was in. And instead, Andy Reid's like, nah, fourth and inches, game on the line. <laughs> but that's it. And, and I don't want to say that, like, I knew I'm they were going to do it. I don't want it to, to sort of sound QB. like that. That's but insane. I said before it happened, I insane. said, wouldn't it be cool if they did? Because, like, I thought they should go for it. Like, I should, I thought they should go for it straight up. But we're so, like... You know, we're so taught or we're so like it's been beaten into us that like what happens there, right? Like you take it down to one, you call a timeout, everybody goes and takes a deep breath and then we either go for it or we punt it. And that allows the defense to get organized. Maybe they're prepared enough that they know what your short yardage plays are, which is a factor, of course. And then the other thing is, and it's, but like, and normally because I'm so trained to that, I wouldn't even be paying attention, right? Like at that point, I'd already be on Twitter sort of seeing what people are thinking with regards to like whether or not they go for it. But in this case, I was literally like, I'm just going to watch exactly. this because yeah. I don't, I'm not positive that we're just going to do the like run it down and call a timeout thing because that's the sort of level of respect <laughs> that I have for Andy Reid at this point, which again, 20 years ago, me would be like, have you lost your mind? But like the fact that they, they snap it on at, with five seconds left on the play clock. Did you notice that? Like they snapped it with five left and not two or one second left. Right. Like, which normally people would do. And like, maybe at one second, yeah. like the defense is more locked in because, yeah. you know, they know that they just have to be sort of into it for one second on the chance that they actually run the play. Like to do it with five seconds left is like, I think all part of this plan that all it takes is one step. And listen, Tyreek Hill doesn't need anything more than that for him to get pretty damn open, right? Like it wasn't like, you know, there was any issue of him getting open. It's funny, like it's almost taking advantage of the Browns being coached just well enough that they know not to jump off sides, yeah. right? Like the Colts don't know, like the one guy on the Colts doesn't know to jump, not to jump off sides. So Frank Reich, cross him off the list right the you know matt Nagy bears you know veteran eddie jackson doesn't know not to jump off sides when everybody on in the stadium knows that you know they're going to try to get you to jump off sides the browns at the very least coached well enough to know not to jump off sides but andy Reid knows enough to know that they're not going to jump off sides and that doing this whole like hard count bs is a waste of time. Like they, the one thing that, and honestly, we'll sort of, we have to move on to the next thing because we're just way too long here, but like, it's so fascinating. But like the one thing that sort of made me think that they were going to run a play was that Chad Henney wasn't doing the hard count nonsense. Like he wasn't doing like, like if Phil Rivers was doing it, right? Like he'd be having like a, a seizure out there, right? Like we obviously know Aaron Rodgers is like the best, Exactly. Best of all yeah, time at it, right? Yeah. And, like, the fact that Henny wasn't going through all of Aaron that, Rogers, I was like, same thing, huh, yeah. interesting. And that he was trying to make sure everybody was chill about everything. That's what made me believe that he might actually be doing this. And I loved it. So um, we still haven't even gotten to the last game, and we have to here because, again, we're going way too long for everybody out there. Hopefully this is interesting for people, and I think it is because it's been really, um, you know, it was a really good football weekend. 
Yeah. I am too, man. Um, t- Tampa Bay and New Orleans. And thank God this game wasn't sort of closer. I'm fired to do a half hour on this. <laughs> so maybe we can, we can sort of tighten it up a little bit here. Um, I need the Bucks to close the tees here. And listen, they're down seven points in the second half, 20 to 13. Yeah. And I'm very much worried that the Saints, you know, are not only just going to win this game, but win it by more than the eight and a half. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of stuff happens. And... I could have bet Tampa Bay minus eight and a half, and it still would have been good there. Yeah. Uh, tough scene for Drew Brees. Obviously, it looks like that's the end for him. Um, and if we're being dicks about it, like, yeah, yeah, it's time for him to go. I do want to sort of mention just a quick story. I've always been a Drew Brees guy, and I don't know if we're ever going to talk about Drew Brees again beyond, like, maybe he's good or maybe he's terrible. I imagine he's going to be good on television. Uh, as a guy okay. I've always liked from the Chargers days, right? Like, I was a San Diego Chargers fan, and so I lived through the drafting of Drew Brees, and obviously the Phil Rivers stuff, and people forget, and, you know, people go like, well, mm-hmm. you know, they chose Rivers over Brees, and, like, maybe that was a dumb decision, or whatever, whatever. People don't realize, because they don't really, you know, who was following the Chargers in the early 2000s, but, like, people don't realize Drew Brees was god-awful in his rookie early on seasons with the Chargers to the point where that's why they drafted Philip Rivers yeah. early in the first round, right? People think it was because, you know, Breeze was injured. Breeze was injured after they drafted Philip Rivers. Yeah. They drafted Philip Rivers because Drew Breeze mm-hmm. stunk for the Chargers. Like the, his first season, he got replaced by uh, Doug Flutie, right? Like a 40 whatever year old Doug Flutie. You know what I find funny about this matchup, the Brady versus Breeze right. matchup? Because so much of this season was spent talking about, did Brady need Belichick or did Belichick need Brady? Which, mm-hmm. I, which we'll get to, I'm sure, because I still don't think that this game answered that question, in my opinion. But really, to me, watching that game, it made me think, wait a second. Yeah. I wonder if this was more, did Breeze need Sean Payton? Right, because kind of what you're you're just talking about right now was okay. Well, these guys are able to have one of the greatest offensive runs consistently right. in the NFL. That's matched by I don't know who, right? Like I honestly don't ma- I don't know who, and so it makes you wonder. Okay, well, even in these last couple of years where we watched Drew Brees and yeah, every week, yep. I know I was, I was like, yo, Drew Brees is washed. Drew Brees is washed. That's been a narrative since last year, at least. So you're wondering how are they still <laughs> winning all these games? How are they still even getting to the position where they're able to blow playoff games? Right. And I'm looking at it and saying, Sean Payton, like did Sean Payton really make Drew Brees? Like that to me was right. the thing that I thought about while watching this game. But I don't want people to think that, like, Breeze wasn't very <laughs> no, good as a you. Charger. He I was really good as a Charger. It was just after they drafted Phillip Rivers, and that's sort of a a Chargers thing, right? Like, that Drew Breeze would become Drew Breeze, like, the day after they drafted Phillip Rivers. But the overall point is, and, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think a really good comparison is Baker Mayfield, for example, where you go, <clears throat> if we're going to kill... If we're going to kill quarterbacks because they're not great in the first year or the first two years, right? I think Drew Brees is like this prime example of a guy who, again, stunk in his first couple of years and who ended up like, you know, give or take with Brady here, like leading the league in in the history books with a lot of these things, right? And it's like, yeah, you, you talk about Peyton and what I'll say about that is like, 
it's exactly the same thing as like what we just talked about with the Chiefs, right? Where you get the offense down and maybe it takes two to three years to get that to the point where you kind of don't really need to practice mm-hmm. it. You only need to practice it from a receiver's standpoint, not from a quarterback standpoint. And then you get to do all this other stuff. Now, the problem is with Sean Payton, as I veer towards Sean Payton here, um, yeah. the problem with Sean Payton is like his yep. other stuff isn't clock management or um, knowing when to go for it on fourth down <laughs> or when to use timeouts. His, uh, his other stuff is let's bring Taysom Hill and run, run a bunch of complete nonsense and have like a secondary playbook that makes absolutely no sense. Right. And it's like, he's missing the plot on some of the other stuff that like he hasn't figured <laughs> out yet. Right. When to go for it. You know, all the game management stuff that we talk about on a weekly basis that like, you know, he's still better than all these other guys because they also don't know mm-hmm. how to game manage with regards to the clock and on the timeouts and all that stuff. So he already has an advantage there because at least from a Peyton standpoint, like he already has the infrastructure, right? So if you give, I don't want to say any coach, but a good coach 10 years with a good quarterback, then yeah, like the yards and stuff are going to pile up. But like yeah. the very next day here, we look at Drew Brees and now it's sort of a little bit of a, you know, look back and maybe when he announces that he's not coming back, it'll get a little bit more um, intensified. But like, you know, one Super Bowl win does not seem like enough for that team. Like, as, you know what I mean? Like, you're ta- obviously, we're talking about a historically good, whether it's quarterback or combination of coaching, quarterback, offense, no. yada, yada, yada. But, like, not just one Super Bowl, one Super Bowl appearance, right? Like, mm-hmm. they didn't lose any Super Bowls that I, off the top of my head, I'm aware of. No, but I, but I mean... But, I mean, they've had really good regular seasons, right? Like, it's not so much like the – to me, it's not so much like the uh, Packers, let's say, where, the you know, they might have like a uh, – Yeah. Like, I feel like so many years in a row people thought, oh, no, this is the year the Saints <laughs> sure. get back to the Super Bowl. This is the year the Saints yep. get back to the Super Bowl. Minneapolis miracle. And then they lose in, like, crushing ways, whether it's the – Right, the the uh, Roby Coleman, yeah, Roby Coleman passing interference, Min- yeah. yeah, Minneapolis Miracle, the uh, what's my guy's name, the hyphenated name, remember, and the Roby Coleman, right, the pass interference non call, like just crushing, crushing losses where, yes, True. the end of the yeah. game might overshadow some of the mistakes or cover up some of the mistakes that Sean Payton made during the game, you know what I mean, which leads to them being extra salty. But I think that's the part that makes it so much worse. And even if you go back to, to yesterday's game, right. it's kind of a situation where even though they might yep. not have deserved to win, and I hate yep. the word deserve, they were still in the position where they probably should have yep. won that game. Like you turned over the ball, what, four times? That's probably – like that's brutal, right? Like yeah. that is a horrible, horrible way to go out. And you can't even – We'll get to the Brady side of it, but you know what I mean? Like that's another crushing loss. Cause you turned over the ball four times no. in a big game like that. Like you had some people saying maybe they should have put in Jameis. And I don't agree with those people. History will look back and be like breeze interceptions, like three interceptions. But if we're talking about the game turning before the game ending, if you will, with all of these other games, the Jared cook fumble, right? Like breeze, put it right on Jared cook. That was a great throw. That was a great play. But Jared Cook, shocker of all shockers, fumbles the football. Not the first time he's done that. 
And so it's like, yep. okay, it goes from I'm worried about the teaser not covering because Jared Cook has caught the ball and is yeah. about to rumble down the field to yep. rookie Antoine Winfield punches it out. And now, you know, the Bucks are headed the other way with it. And we're, you know, soon enough, we're tied. And then, unfortunately for Breeze, he goes out uh, throwing those interceptions. Quick note, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen, have you seen this, the video of him and Brady on the field? Well after the game's over with Breeze's family and Brady's throwing touchdowns to his to Breeze's kid and Breeze's daughter's beating up yes. her her brother and like doing cartwheels. Anyway, fantastic little sort of you know behind the scenes of two legends like what an hour probably after the game just hanging out you know like game recognized game type stuff. Um, from a betting standpoint, got to get through this right. Brady sneak touchdown is back. Called that yeah. one on Friday plus five hundred. Uh, loving that one. Um, that covers up missing a lot of the other touchdowns hey, when, you know, did catch and, that. Yeah. And, then, and so like, so Brady goes under, Thomas goes under, Cook goes over, Brady goes over, we cash all of those. Uh, Breeze <laughs> over completions felt like it deserved a little bit better fate because how many times does he drive that down, you know, for a field goal, for a touchdown, whatever, to make it at least you know, an onside kick type situation or a situation where Brady has to convert a first down, right? Like that was the bummer about that last interception that we didn't catch that. The over somehow doesn't get there. 26 points in the first half. You know, again, we're one and a half points short of the over and it doesn't get there because of that interception. So that was kind of a killer. The one thing I want to sort of talk about really obscure, but give me 30 seconds here. Uh, and is is this a bad beat? So Harris, the punt returner, who was a pretty significant part of the offense the week before, seven catches on seven targets. So I'm looking around and waiting and waiting to, and seeing if a book puts up a yeah. Harris prop. Give me yards, give me over, or give me uh, receptions. Like I'm taking the over on whatever you give me. Comes out two and a half, two and a half receptions at like plus money. I'm all over it. And thankfully I wasn't as... Oh, as, as all over it as I, as I thought I might be when I was sitting there going like, how much should I put on this given the fact that I think he's a prominent part of the offense? And I also bet him to score a touchdown because for the obvious reasons, and he's you know plus 300 or 400 or something along those lines. He has the first punt return, which honestly, I think he probably should have scored, right? Like he gets tackled on like the 20 or whatever and they kick a field goal. And then he gets the second punt return where he does score and it gets called back. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, how it like, it, like, is that a bad beat for a touchdown bet? Mm-hmm. And then he catches a pass on, I think the first or second drive, like very early on, like a, 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 quite a clearly a let's get this guy the ball in open space, even though it was one catch for minus one and he hurts his neck and he's yeah. out of the game. And so we were so close to like seeing how he did on the offense and so close to seeing him score a touchdown where he's literally running into the end zone at one point. Like, I'm like, how did I not make any money on this? Because I think both things were priced atrociously in this game. Feels like a bad beat to me. What do you say? For neither of those to get to the end zone, like, cause we rarely see that happen in, in, you know, like this era yeah. of football. So for, for you to have not one but two massively big runs like that and neither of them cash that's a tough one and then obviously you know getting injured that definitely doesn't help because 
you could imagine that later sure. on in the game, you know, as things were getting tough, Breeze would have taken a shot. Take one Smith comes in and he scores yeah. two touchdowns yeah. and ends up leading the game in receiving yards. And so I don't know if like that trick play, would that have been designed for Harris and Smith was in because Harris was out or, you know, obviously his touchdown yeah. was more of a jump ball situation and take Smith is a different receiver, oh. of course, than Harris is and all of that kind of stuff. So it was just funny to watch like take Smith who was probably, and I, and I don't have the numbers for it, but like, I think he was probably a hundred to one to lead the game in receiving yards. So he ends up doing that. But um, like I said, the over deserves to come in. Um, you know, uh, yeah. is, uh, Tampa Bay looked okay, right? Like it's very much like Buffalo where they looked aight, right? Like it was an aight performance, right? Where it was like the Saints did more to lose that game than the Bucks did to win it. Yeah. So let's shift gears here to next exactly. week. And exactly. since we're talking and maybe you have some things that you want to talk about with regards to the Bucks or not, but like Bucks Packers, what, you know, initial thoughts on that. The line has opened and is kind of bouncing around four right now, which, you know, we talk all the time, the, the four point spread, the five point spread, the old Bill Simmons Vegas zone. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the game, the line or anything uh, having to do with it? I just don't see how. Right. I can confidently take either of those teams, whoever came out victorious yesterday against the (laughs) Packers going into Lambeau field, regardless. Like if you told me before that game even started, old ass Drew Brees, old ass Tom Brady going into cold ass Lambeau field, wouldn't have felt confident, right? Nothing that happened in that game yesterday changes my thought, right? Like watching Tom Brady is just like, yeah, like they were right. okay, Doesn't but seem like it. you know, are they going to get the short? Like, is Aaron Rodgers going to be out here giving Tom Brady short fields, like he had in that game? I don't think so. <laughs> and so that's where it's like, okay, I honestly think. And one of the things, hey, I've been paying attention to you this whole season, listening to the lessons you've been giving. And one of the things I know you always talk about is making your own lines. And I would feel confident mm-hmm. taking the Packers by anything less than a touchdown. So when I see it at like three and a half, or I see it in the Vegas zone, I'm like, yeah, I'm still good taking the Packers there. I have no problems at all taking the Packers there. My lone question is not so much about the offense as most people are going to, are going to focus on with the Bucks. My focus is on the Bucks defense. And I'm curious to how well they'll play against the Packers offense in the sense that, Yes, Drew Brees is washed, but if you remove that factor, a lot of the checkdown stuff, right, that Drew Brees was doing, you know, you got the crossing routes, you got like the quick, you know, get the ball out quickly. Aaron Rodgers is going to yeah. do a lot of the same things. And it makes me wonder how that's going to line up against the Bucks defense that looked pretty good against Drew Brees, but will that translate against Rodgers? That's where my focus is on yeah. a lot more. The Bucks weaponry, right? Like those dudes, right? The Gronk, A.B., Evans, all of those guys, like didn't really do much, but they still won the game by 10 points. So you sort of have to, um, mm-hmm. you know, listen, we got the entire week to kind of figure it out. And then as far as the other one's concerned, a little bit more interesting, right? The initial line where a lot of people were kind of putting it out like Buffalo minus one as a like Patrick Mahomes is going to be out situation. I never saw that on anything that I had. 
I was always, uh, the, the first thing I saw was Kansas City minus yeah. two and a half. And I took that just as sort of a starting point going like, okay, if Mahomes is back, I think the line goes up. If Mahomes isn't back, I still, not that I necessarily like the Chiefs. I don't even know that I like the Chiefs now, but like, I'm still okay with taking my chances because if Mahomes doesn't play, like, I still think it's only Buffalo, like, minus three. And I kind of think it's worth the risk, if you will, to take the two and a half. Now, this has gone up to three since that happened. And now I have to decide whether I want to come back on the Bills at plus three. Uh, What are your thoughts? So it's taken this long. It's taken this long for me to fully understand something that you said to me early on in the season, which was, you know, normally we focus in on who has a good defense, who has a good defense. And there really aren't good defenses. Like there is, but not really. And so when you look at the offenses and being able to put up points, when I look at this game, and as long as you're telling me Mahomes is going to play, which I think he's going to play, which, you know, what what I think on Monday morning, <laughs> who knows what the hell that means. But as long as you, if, if, right. if we think Mahomes is going to play, I got to ride with the Chiefs for all the reasons that we just gushed over for, what, like 20 minutes to a half hour about Andy Reid, about the system, about the play calling, about the things that they're able to dial up in comparison to what I've seen from the Bills offense. The Bills offense is really good. But it's more sure. of like the backyard football than it is, you know, the precision or the systematic just dicing up other teams, you know, than, than what you see from the Chiefs. And do I trust Mahomes? Mm-hmm. Do, I tr- do I trust Mahomes more than Josh Allen? Of course. Do I trust Andy Reid more than McDermott and Dable? Yes. Right? Like Andy <laughs> McDermott. Reed is the enemy. More than Dable and uh, and uh, I was about to call him McVeigh, and I just said his name like two seconds ago. Why am I drawing a blank there? McDermott, right? And it's and it's like, right. yeah, I'm, I'm riding with the Chiefs here, and you're telling and it at two and a half. I'm mad I didn't jump on it because I saw it at two and a half, and yes, it's now at three, and I'd still take the Chiefs at three points, just because of whatever they're able to draw up. They're just in the lab. And I think that the Bills defense was able to look like a comprehensive unit because the Ravens offense is so one-dimensional for the most. (laughs) Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of easy to game plan for that. How the hell do you game plan to stop the Chiefs? We've been seeing teams do it over and over again. And maybe the Niners seen in a really long time, so that was more based off pressure. But everyone else, like – how do you really stop the Chiefs? As mentioned, yeah. it's just yeah. the Chiefs stopping themselves, right? Taking their foot off the gas or Mahomes getting hurt or whatever. So okay. I like the Chiefs. The, I like the Packers. The matchup of That's destiny. Yeah, like you said, as, of, as Monday, of Monday, we got five, six, you know, it's, it feels this week always feels so much longer because there isn't Saturday games and, you know, it's not even a Sunday one o'clock starts, a Sunday three o'clock starts. So, you know, they have a week to figure this out, um, try to figure out as best they can the Chiefs. Yeah. And and on the flip side, the, the Bucks, uh can try to figure out Aaron Rodgers. Um, there's no mm-hmm. reason for me to hop in, I don't think, on, on yep. Tampa Bay Green Bay because at minus four, 
like it goes up to three and a half, it goes to four and a half. Like that's not really going to matter. I don't think if it goes down to three, then like, obviously that's a big move, but I just don't see that happening. I don't see it going all the way up to six where that becomes relevant. So the good news is I can sort of sit back, relax and, uh, and just, and be in the lab myself. You know what I mean? Uh, Shell, I got you. Uh, we've missed you the last few weeks, but I'm sure the listeners are happy to have someone other than me screaming about punts and reviews and and, and whatnot. So it's great to have you back. And uh, you know, super, <laughs> as you can tell, like we went super long here because uh, it's just awesome to uh, get to talk to you about this stuff every week, man. So I appreciate that. So much fun, man! And it was a great week to jump back in. We had a bunch of great games. Sure. Well, yep. I don't even know about great games or great storylines. You can find my dude at Shell Alexander on Twitter, where he'll get back into the groove tweeting about all the good stuff on the On Blast Podcast Network. I'm sure the Wrap It Up podcasts are going to be wild this year, man. I've been at, well, this is, I was going to say, I don't know if I should say this, but actually this is the perfect platform to say this. <laughs> I've been fading the Raptors the whole year gambling-wise, so I'm actually, there you go. I'm okay. He's, he's found the silver line. Thanks for coming can't on, really lie to you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Great having Sheldon back. We went so long with the NFL stuff that today's edition of Let's Do That Hockey will have to be on Twitter, at Authentic. But piece of big news for me. Big news over here. Maybe not big, but news. Uh, I'll be doing some writing about our Let's Do That Hockey model for the Action Network. Two pieces up on the actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app for tonight's games. Uh, Edmonton and Montreal, second part of their you know doubleheader, if you will. Same thing with Vancouver and Calgary. So again, check that out. Any and all feedback is welcome as it's an accompaniment to this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast and the Action Network. Game previews helps more than you even know. Everything is available at Authentic on Twitter. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.